The Plough and Harrow August 1975 The heat has intensified, and previous records are broken. The newspaper declares it's the hottest summer since 1911. Next year, this year's record will be broken, and people will wonder where it will end. They walk three abreast the length of Clarendon Road, heads down and stride for stride, a plume of smoke ribboning out behind them. The old man begins to whistle through his teeth as they sweep past the Baptist church in man-dog-child formation, blazing the smoke trail in their wake like the red arrows. Maggie crosses herself swiftly on account of the whistling, praying not to spend an eternal damnation in Sutton Coalfield. Single file through a shrieking glass-panelled door at the Plough and Harrow. Inside there's a warm reek of yeast and furniture polish. The sun blasts through the tea-stained lace, skirting the lower half of the windows, and bleaches the net of smoke draped over the regulars' heads. The old man's pint is already pulled and streaming on a beer mat. The landlord's heavy arms are spread like girders either side of it as he lifts his big cement face. Arthur? Morning, kin. On the house, mate. Ta. Hushed and quick like passwords. Your Carol's youngest? His eyes rolling in the cement, peeping, embarrassed. And eldest? Just the one, replies the old man. On the house, mate, murmurs Ken, presenting the pint and squeezing the old man's forearm. Terrible business, shaking his head. Awful bloody business, Arthur. He brightens to Maggie. Okay, love. Then clouding again, like a tragic comic mask. Terrible business, to the old man. She's sixteen, then. The old man looks at Maggie. Ah, well, mate, she's big for her age. Ken winks. No problem, Arthur. On the house, all right. She considers the contradiction in the old man's remark. She was big for her age, it was true, tall enough to pass for sixteen anyway, tall enough to lift a glass of ginger beer from the bar without spilling it. She watched the world from the top of an athlete's skeleton that had begun elongating during her eleventh year. Gigantic hands and feet sprang out of her sleeves and trousers. She particularly despised her hands. They swung heavily at her sides, puce with shame. The old man's accidentally truthful remark was apparently lost in Ken's bountiful sea of sympathy. Glad he was to conspire in its illogic. The sun burns against the windows. Wood creaks. The old man goes up in a roar of flame. The smoke falls around them. Silence. The two recline their matching skeletons in identical poses on the padded ruby bonquette. Just the solemn ticking of an oak clock while their lives race off without them. Later they ate tea together in an airless kitchen, an old tin thermometer, wobbly on its nail, recorded 85 degrees Fahrenheit. The old man filled a kettle from a tap that sang out soprano notes with the water pressure. When the kettle whistled on the gas ring, he poured boiling water over a sieve full of tinned peas. These were folded into corned beef from a tin 
and shared between two pale blue plates. His eyebrows swung up and down philosophically as he ate. He only spoke twice. I'll answer to Pop, mate. That's what your mother called me. And... Do you follow football at all?